Jesus, I thank you again, Lord, that we can come into this place. Lord, that we can come very intentional. Lord, I pray that right now, no matter what reason, purpose, drive, whatever has brought each and every person here today, God, that, Lord, it's no longer out of just a mundane commitment to a church service, but, God, that whatever started today, Lord, now become an intentional, Lord, an intentional quest, Lord, to be changed by your Spirit, Lord, not just through the worship and song, not just through uh, the sacrifice and giving, Lord, of our finances, but, Lord, also through absorbing your word and letting it change our hearts. God, I pray that the desperation that's in us, Lord, that needs more and more of you, God, that it would become thirsty, Lord, that we would not longer be satisfied, but leave in here without being changed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. And um, there, this morning when the parking lot was white and uh, I did a little brake test to see how it was going. And um, so I know some were concerned and there's also some traveling to Martins. Their whole family, I think, is on a vacation right now. So we need to be praying for them. Uh, Sandy Haynes is out of the hospital, but she uh, needs your prayer. Um, also, uh, the Casirix for Jubilee. Uh, she's back but needs prayer, uh, still needs prayer for healing. So remember those uh, that are sick among us in prayer. Uh, Robin is okay. It was just a little cold for her today, so we didn't pick her up uh, in, the, uh, in the van. Uh, <clears throat> well, I, I just want to uh, kind of start off by admitting that as of yesterday morning, I still didn't know what I was going to preach. And, uh, you know, it would be easy for me to hold on to that and just let you think that all week I've just been prepared and just ready to go. But, but I didn't know, and as I, I was seeing God, and I didn't realize, but he had used several, he had really set me up this week. And so the sermon really started earlier in the week, it's just I didn't know it until yesterday. But, but as God began to, to show me some things, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this and, and just say, you know, I've told stories about how when you give your uh, time over to God, you know, I've told how I've uh, had multiple guys that we picked up on the side of the road in a certain spot on 279. But, but this week, um, you know, I was happy that I got the uh, wheel tracks van. I got it tagged and insured, so we were legal, you know, and did it just in time. We were about up on our 30 days since we had had the vehicle donated. And uh, I knew we were going to eventually need to drive it further than a few blocks away to pick up Robin. And so uh, I had the church trailer hooked up to my truck and didn't want to pull it through. And it was Thursday when everything was starting to come down. And I decided I was going to go out to the property and I was going to do some cleaning up. It's looking bad. And so I'm cleaning up all this wet, nasty cardboard with red dirt on it, putting the trailer and it's getting colder and colder. And, and uh, so I go out on the edge of the property, way away from the building where, you know, by the ball fields where there's hardly anybody there, but sometimes trash will migrate. I look down, there's a $20 bill. And I thought, praise Jesus. Now, it's not that I couldn't have gone out to eat, but, you know, I probably would have been cheap and gone home and eaten what we were paid for. But I'm thinking, Lord has provided. I will eat a hot meal. And it's, I'd miss lunch. It's like 3 o'clock. I just was go, go, go. And I thought, man, there won't be anybody at the restaurant. I'm going to go down to our favorite Chinese place, uh, Orient Express 2 by Cap Salon. And, and uh, so I go down there and pull up, and the parking lot looks pretty empty. And I go in, but but I got to back up and tell you what happened just before that. So when I came back from the property with the truck and the trailer, I didn't want to go through traffic with that, so I grabbed the wheelchair van because we're legal now. I think I'll just I'll just run down there. It needs to be started and go a little further, you know, uh, once in a while. And I get down just past uh, about to where Word of Life Church is, if you know what that is, before you get to Walton. And I see this guy in a motorized wheelchair on the sidewalk, just busted, and he's got one where he operates it with his mouth, and he's got a he's got you know, long sleeve and all that, but he doesn't look like he's dressed for warm, and it was just getting bitterly cold, Wendy. And I just had that thought, you know, back to, like when I picked the guys up there on 279, I thought, I'm in a wheelchair access van that God provided for us, and I could give that guy a ride. So I, I, I kind of thought about it for a minute, and I decided to whip around, and I tried to catch up with him. Well, by then he's making up that stoplight by the gas station there. Uh, was that Come and Go or Casey's? Yeah, so... so I try to whip over. I don't know whether he's going left or right there on I Street, so I whip over left. Well, he turns to wait to go across the street. So I have to turn around in that little animal hospital thing and, you know, parking lot and, and come up to the light. So now I'm trying to track him down because he's making a cross, right? So I uh, get to Casey's before he gets there. So I get to Casey's. I pull around, roll the window down. Sir, can I? And vroom, he's gone. I'm like, well, that didn't go so well. 
And then I had this thought, I was like, well, I do have this long beard and a guy in a van talking to a guy in a wheelchair that doesn't know me, an older guy. You know, I'm thinking, maybe that's a little creepy. I don't know. But I think, well, the Lord may be put on my heart, so you never know. And then I start thinking about the liability, right, you know, advisory team. and thinking, I don't know, what if I have an accident with this guy that I just pick up? And so I'm going through this. Well, I decided to go down a little further. He's booking it down that double sidewalk. It's like a, a mini road. It's got a yellow lane in it. So I go down to a little business, turn around, and get position for him to come. And here he comes. Sir, it, he was going, I think, okay, for sure he thinks creepy guy in vans trying to trap me. So I decided, Lord, whatever you had planned there, apparently we're done. Either it's a, it, it was a test to see if I'd actually do it or what, but I, I'm going to go on. It wasn't anything to do with the hot food that was waiting on me at the Chinese place. It was just that I'm starting to feel like a creeper now. So, you know, I go and I pull in the Chinese place and there's nobody there. I'm thinking, I'm going to have, I rarely do this. I like to be around people. I like conversation. With all the business going on, I'm like, I finally get to just sit down and have a hot meal by myself. Nobody in place. Walk in. I pick the corner. You know, I have any place to pick. I pick the corner. I sit over there. And I'm eating. And all of a sudden, the door opens. And this guy walks in. Big biker guy. White beard. Hair going everywhere. Uh, look a little cut. Harley jacket. Comes in with his wife. And I just had this thought. I said, Lord, he's going to sit right down by me. I know it. I, I, I hate to say it. It's not like I was wanting to. I just... I just knew because I thought I was going to get that time by myself, you know, and it, that's how it starts. Remember the story of picking the guys up the road? It's because I didn't have a sermon. I was in my office on my day off getting frustrated with God, and then he sends a guy that takes up the rest of my day and the weekend, right? So I'm thinking he's going to sit down, and sure enough, he goes up the waiter and says, well, I'll just keep you from walking very far. I'll just sit by this guy over here. So they come and sit right down. Well, it, it was almost like one of those westerns. You know, I might as well have had a hat on. I'm sitting there with a brim down, and I'm just eating my food, you know. Like this, and I had that thought, he's going to say something to me. And he turns and he says, uh, what you got there? What would you order? So we start talking. He asked me what I was doing. I said, well, I was out trying to work on a roof, but all this stuff coming down, I thought I'd probably fall off again and told him about me falling off the roof a couple times or falling down. And so kind of laughed about that. And then he he, gave, he thought I was, I guess, in construction, so he, he was talking kind of gruff. And, and then he asked, well, are you a contractor? Well, I said, no, I'm actually a pastor of the church we're building. I said, just, you know, come over here and get some uh, food. And, and so he starts picking, you know, at like religion. You know, he just visited a large church and had all kinds of not happy things to say about it. I guess they hadn't been in church, tried it out for the holidays. And he said, there's no preaching and this and that. And, you know, they, they picked it apart. So then he asked me what kind of church we were. And I said, well, we're Pentecostal. That's what we're part of Assemblies of God. He goes, uh, you know, what's the difference between that and Baptist? And I was like, oh, I hate these questions. I hate them. I grew up in a similar God church. I've had Baptist friends. It's just, to me, it's old hat, old news. I'm like, you want to talk to me about Jesus and the Bible, and you want to talk to me about God interacting with you, bring it on. But uh, denominational stuff and all this. So I started trying to explain. And we're talking about stuff that I hate talking about. And so I start telling him what happened with me, you know, being the creeper. You know, I said, that we just got that van donated. We prayed, and God just provided it. And I start telling that. And I said, and, and that kind of has a backstory because I was picking guys up on this road that just got out of jail and telling this. So it's starting to turn, and the door opens, and it's a youth pastor from Rogers First Assembly, Josh Chaney, and uh, a friend of his from church. I thought, God sent reinforcements. Apparently, I came here for this. So there's not a big, great ending to this other than I invited him and gave him a card. But I tell you this for a reason. You see... I told you I hate that conversation about Baptist, Pentecostal, all this. Because I'm going to ask you something. What denomination would Jesus be? No, I, I, what would Jesus be? Would he be Pentecostal? He doesn't he have to speak in tongues because he's you know, part of the Trinity. But, but would he believe in that? What, you know, that, that's really what we get down to. Here's the thing. I have no interest at all, not one fiber of my bone, do I want to have any conversation like that with anybody when all it does is detract from the fact is, are you experiencing the power of God or not? Period. I don't care if you say I'm atheist. I don't care. I mean, I, I care about you. I care about your thoughts. But as far as what it matters in the grand scheme of things, you say you're atheist, agnostic, whatever. I, all that's a bunch of hogwash. I just want to know. It, it, you either have to answer this question. Are you experiencing God, the power of God? Is he interacting with you? Not because you're delusional. Not because you're trying to see, oh, look, the, there's a picture of Mary in my pancake. Um, let's call the news media. Apparently it's a, a, a sign. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your pancakes taking form of, uh, of the, uh, you know, Mary or Joseph or whatever. I, I'm talking about, do you know that periodically, daily, you have some kind of encounter where 
you would have to be crazy not to, to understand that God is interacting with you. And if you say no, then don't get down because this is a sermon about telling you you are missing, that, you're, you're, you're not, uh, that God's not wanting to interact with you. I'm telling you that the fact of the matter comes down to when we talk about the Pentecostal faith, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what happened in the Acts account was there was people who saw Jesus crucified, died, rose again, knew now he is the risen Savior, Son of God, but they had just denied him, right? There's people who had betrayed him, and they're hiding out fearful of the life, and they needed to go on, and Jesus said, it's better that I go away and send the Holy Spirit knowing that you'll keep hiding out, right? So we've gone through that. But what I want to talk about today, if you want to turn in uh, the book of Acts to chapter uh, 8, Acts chapter 8, here's what's stirring me. Here's what happened within a little bit of time yesterday in preparing. I thought I'm trying to grab for a message for this Sunday, and it's like God stirred me and said, I want you to preach on what you're desperate for and don't get off of it until it's answered. And that's what I'm going to do. We're going to stay on the subject of the Holy Spirit and experiencing God. I don't know how long, but I know one thing. I'm going to ask you today to come on a journey with me in the coming weeks that we don't give up until something breaks in our lives and we have an experience with God that we cannot deny that he is interacting with us. Now, I'm not talking for the sake of new song over another church. I'm going to confess another thing. I've been hitting some dark spaces lately with all the stresses, the building project, stuff going on. And I came home one evening and I see somebody liked something on Facebook and it was an advertisement about a new church plant in Bentonville starting up and it looked cool. I was like, how much did they spend for that video? Now, I'm impressed with the video. I got in tears last night seeing the video that they made for us today, Ken and Andrew and Nathan and Sabe. That encourages me. There's folks that are wanting to invest their time and do something creative and, and to spread the gospel. But I, I, I'm human, and I get caught up in this thing. Well, that church has a really cool website. Look at that. Well, they, look at all those shining faces. And they got a lot of young people, a lot of people involved, and they got you know older people that are greeting, and they got all this stuff. And... I'd be lying to you say that it doesn't almost feel competitive, right? But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, said, you know that's not what you want. You want the people that don't have anywhere to go. Go back to your prayer you prayed when you started this. Send me the people that nobody wants or that don't have a home. And so God has done that. God has sent people who, by society's sake, maybe they've been in jail and they, they've had a rough life, but I can guarantee you they come here and they've told me themselves they feel at home here, not because we overlook sin and tell them it's okay to continue sin. We're just saying, hey, I've got a pass. Everybody's got a pass. Some people, maybe they've been a Christian their whole life. They don't have some big gory testimony, but we're all in this together. One beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. We're walking together, hand in hand, down the yellow brick road, trying to get closer to God and experience him. That's all there is to it. We're in the Bible Belt where there's a church in every corner, and we do fight the, com the commercialized, you know, well, I don't like that church. I'll go over here. They don't have this program. They don't have that. I have disdain for that because I sat in the pews. I saw that happen. I saw my dad deal with it as a pastor. I know how heartbreaking it is for people to be so finicky over whether they're going to be your friend and part of your family because that's the way we saw it. You're my friends. You're my family. When people just leave and don't leave a note, <laughs> you know, it's not quite the same as a magnitude. It's kind of like if a spouse just left, left a note, didn't have the heart to even tell you. We're breaking up, all right? And I want to get on a rabbit trail. I want to read this to you, but I want you to understand that I'm desperate myself not to just return to some old experience I've had before, but to not give up on experiencing him in a powerful way every day, every moment. I want you guys to be driving down the road, and maybe it's happening. I want you guys. Now, I'm not telling you ladies stop and pick up strange people, either in wheelchairs or not. I'm just telling you, you know, whether you could or not. I'm just saying, those moments when you know God's speaking to you, you've been arguing with him, and all of a sudden you obey, and you find out there's a whole story behind it, right? It unfolds like a tapestry, and you're standing there, just the, the Spirit of God is putting words in your mouth, and it's coming out, and people, tears start coming down their eyes. You're like, what power there is. And, and you have the risk of taking pride in that and saying, that's me. It's not. You can't do that, but we've had times in the office, in the grocery store, in a parking lot, and people crying, and literally you know that the Spirit of God that is in you is being extended out, and it's reaching down, Danny. It's reaching down in the crevices of their heart and hitting places that not even a psychiatrist could really uh, get to the bottom of, and all of a sudden God is just breaking that apart. He used you as a vessel. What an incredible thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking tongue has no other purpose than to reach more for the cause of Christ. It's not for a show in a church. It's not for a big deal. 
There is two parts to that, though. There is a prayer language. There is, and we'll get into this in coming weeks, okay? We'll get more in depth. So if you don't know a lot about this doctrine, I'm going to do my best to pour into you everything I can research and know and everything I've experienced. But there's times when God, for the church, he'll give a message through someone to the church. And scripture says there must be an interpreter. There must be somebody willing to interpret. And when an interpretation doesn't happen, it's either that person was not delivered a message of God, generally, or someone was not being obedient to giving the interpretation. And so we missed it because someone didn't follow through, right? Then there's the other thing where it's not from God to the church. It's from your spirit to God. And it says that the spirit helps you like through groanings, helps you be able to pray when you don't know how to pray. Something that the devil can't mess with. When you go to pray, God, can you help me with my job? Oh, I'm kind of hungry. I wonder how late Taco Bell's open, right? You have those prayer times. But when you begin to pray in a heavenly language, it's an uninterrupted prayer. If you, don't raise your hands, but if you've been baptized with, uh, in the Holy Spirit and you prayed in prayer language, wouldn't you agree with me just inside? Wouldn't you agree with me? What I've felt before, there's a release. The burdens and the pressures and the things I feel release. I've got up from an altar before where I literally physically, not in the spiritual sense, physically, the air seems cleaner and fresher. I've, I've described it like if you've ever lived up north where they get the real dry, cold weather, and you go out on a real early morning cold when it's so crisp you can hear things miles away. Somebody can whisper down the block, you hear it. And you go out and you take too much breath in and it's almost a sharp, you know. Y'all ever experienced that? I've had the power of the Holy Spirit create that for me and experience with God. Some of you know the story. I used to resist it, not believe in it. So when it happened, I was confronted just like others. There is something God wants to do in us that many will resist, denominations will, will not want. But the truth is, it's in God's word, and he's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Those of you that were in first service, you know this has already taken a little different shape. That's okay. Let's read so I can get back on track here. Acts 8, 5 through 17. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken to Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from, from the least to the greatest saying, this man is the great power of God. It means the, the, the construction workers and the, and, the, and the city leaders and everybody from, the, from, from all different walks of life were heeding him as a man of God with the power of God because of these astonishing things. Verse 11, and they, and they heeded him. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. It means when the preaching of the word connects with the power of God not just signs and wonders. When, when, he, when they believed and he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Simon himself, oh, I'm sorry, verse 12. When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, they, who when they had come down, prayed for them, they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had, fallen upon, he had not fallen upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is problematic for those who believe. When you are saved, yes, the Holy Spirit you, you have the Holy Spirit living and interacting in your life, right? Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit now reside in you, right? However, we see that after they believed, they were baptized in water. They followed in, in, in that commandment that we're baptized. And, and we're, it's a symbol of us being buried like Christ was. The old person laid down and we come up a new creation. But after that, there was more. They had not yet received the Holy Spirit and they laid hands on them and they were baptized. There's several accounts where, where the, the, the evidence of speaking in tongues was important evidence to what was happening as, as an internal work. Questions and how they are phrased are very powerful. 
It's just like the questions I got asked at the Chinese restaurant, right? Oh, man, I've been through this all my life. I hate these questions. Oh, it just pulls the life out of me. I know that you're seeking, but I have all these bias. You've probably been playing games with God for years. You've hopped churches, and then you find something wrong with them, so you stay out of it, and it's that church's fault, and you won't commit fully to the Lord, and so you're not obedient in a lot of areas of your life, and so when God doesn't work, then you have all kinds of blame game to play, but you won't totally fully commit and, and agree to experience him in his fullness and follow his word. And that's what goes through my head, all that little sermon, just so you know. And it's a bad judgment. I may look at someone and just say, you look like you had a hard life, now you're talking about this denomination of bad stuff. It's usually when they start talking bad about this church or that church. Maybe I've known that church is bad. It's just the fact that that's the first thing that rolls out of the mouth. I'm, I've got this little sermon in my head. Oh, here we go. I could talk to them blue in the face. You're still going to make the same dumb decisions and still play this game with God And five years from now. You know, like Jonah. I don't want to go into that. Those people are ridiculous. They just worship other things. I don't even want them to be saved, right? We fight that. I'm being honest with you. So, so here's the thing. But this is the difference when the Holy Spirit uh, comes in. It's like me sitting there saying, door opens. They're going to sit by me. Coincidence? Sit by me. He's going to say something to me. Coincidence? Nope. He says something to me. Right? He asked the questions he asked on a day when I just wanted a little bit of break, right? Right? No coincidence. I've been through it, through it too many times. It's a, the Holy Spirit is always at work. And if you're receptive, if the tenas are up, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and so you have that discernment, you know, then God is going to create all kinds of situations like that for you all the time. And you say, that doesn't sound like fun, Pastor. It sounds like you don't have a lot of free time. You know what? The bad attitude is what messes it up. It's the old adage, glass half full or glass half empty, right? I remember a time when God was silent and he wouldn't interact with me. Do I want to go back there over having my dinner be quiet? No way. Do I want to be standing in that yard where I was on the phone telling my mom, I'm not done with God, I'm just done with church people. I'll never step foot in church again. Do I want to be back there with what's going on in my life? No way. It's not just about me standing up here on Sunday to tell you the latest little story about God interacting like, oh, look at me. What my desire is, is that we go on a journey together. I want each and every one of you, not because you're here at New Song, not just because you go to church, I want you to experience God more than you ever have before. I want him to have an interaction with you that changes the course of everything to do with you right now. And if it doesn't happen this Sunday or next Sunday, or whatever, I just want us to continue striving for that. But questions and how they're phrased are very powerful. If you ask the, que- the wrong question, it's hard to get an answer. If you ask me, what's the difference between Pentecostals and Baptists, that's, that's really the wrong question. If you ask me, how do you know God is real, that's the right question. I don't go to other churches. I haven't been able to go to many other churches in the last six years. I've been kind of busy at this one, right? So I don't really want to discuss what's happening there unless it's something positive that will encourage me because I can't do anything about some of the negative stuff other than pray. I don't want to gossip. But I've heard the people, I've heard people ask the question, can I receive the Holy Spirit? And I think if we ask the same question multiple ways, it may unlock some revelation within some people here as to the true nature of that question. For instance, if you say, can I receive the Holy Spirit, may mean can I hold or possess the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, it's like a thimble sitting next to a pumpkin saying, can I fit that in me? As big as God is, can I, can I fit that in me? It's not like that. It's not like God is, is smoke where if there's smoke in this room, I'd breathe a little bit of it, you'd breathe a little bit. It's one big cloud of smoke, but we're all getting a little peace. That's not God. God is everywhere, but it's fully God in every place. It's the baddest preacher down the street who has the Spirit of God in him, has full-on God, everything that God has in him. And I have him, and the evangelist in Mexico, and the missionary in Thailand. God is everywhere, and he can fully be in everyone. There's nothing in our world that is easy for us to get a physical, scientific reference to that, to proof it out. It's something that from God's Word, we have to have faith that he is fully God everywhere, all the time. It's not like that cloud of smoke. God is big enough to create the universe with a spoken word and small enough to care about me and make resonance in my soul. That's why there's no call waiting in heaven, right? You're praying, I'm praying. God's 
being able to hear that, give full attention to that, and answer us and raise us as his children, right, in the spirit. And he can do the same work with everybody all over the world. Every human being alive, if they released themselves to God, if they surrendered and had a relationship with him, he, and even the ones that aren't, he's working on them. God is big enough. And we don't, it's not that we're too small of a container. It's a miracle. I mean, it's a unique perspective on God that is only found in Christianity through Jesus' revelation. There's, there's not other religions that really have that same aspect of their God. Every other group in the world has tried to figure out who God is and how to please him and has never been able to get this part right. It's what the enemy lies to us all the time and say, God is too big for your small problems. Or God is too big to answer that for you. You're too small. We feel insignificant. But if we could just see ourselves as God sees us. See, God has a true image of who you are. He created you to be one thing, and sin in this world began to infiltrate and change that. But there is a true you that God sees, and he wants you to have that same vision of yourself. He wants you to achieve to at least the point, not perfection here, but to be on a path where you can start to see yourself as God sees you. See, see, it's not because I'm a pastor that those interactions I have with people in the marketplace, that's not why. Those were happening before I was pastor, right? It's because, oh, this is a, I don't want to get too far off, but let me share with you a conversation that happened yesterday with my, with my boys. I didn't share this first service. Um, the boys, everybody was just like tense. Everybody's on each, you know, at each other. And even Jen and I had gotten on each other's nerves. It was just, you know, I said, apologize. It's, it's bad, but... I think we're tired. I think there's just a lot going on. But um, I need to sit down and figure out every surface area of every wall in the new building for drywall. And, and I don't have a lot of construction experience. So that was going to take me a while to figure out all that. And then how much paint and texture. And I'm trying to get ahead on some of this stuff. There's a lot of calculations. And, um, you know, I decided, hey, boys, you want to learn how to do, you want to learn how to take a scale ruler and figure out a scale on a plan and figure this stuff out. And they started picking up, and it was actually a good teaching thing. We've been struggling with them in homeschool. There's things they've actually, this week, we're learning on figuring surface area. And they were struggling, and, and we have to have this conversation. You don't understand. Dad wishes I paid more attention in school because no matter whether you're a preacher, a missionary, a scientist, whatever, you're going to use this stuff. You're going to need it. The better you get it, the better you are. And they haven't fully got that. But I started explaining to this, and they actually figured the, the, the drywall for a room, ceiling and everything got it right, and they started moving, they started working on more, uh, and then after I, they did the hard stuff, I showed them, here's some shortcuts, like, why didn't you show us in the beginning, because I want you to know the hard way, right, and, and, and to move on with this, before I knew it, it was just one of those teachable moments where I looked at them, and they were like, this is why you're telling me, this is what Colton said, this is why you're telling us we need to learn this stuff in school, because one day we might have to build a building, I said, you're exactly right, because I was called to be a missionary, and my mind, what that meant, as I was going and having this big party uh, you know, service in another country, another language, and all the cool stuff, you know, the hard stuff. I said, but God had different plans. Now I'm a pastor, and God blessed, and we grew, and now we had to build a building. And I don't have experience, but it's going to cost us $100,000 to have someone else build it for us, so I need to save the money for the church because we don't, if, if some of you are holding out and you're really wealthy in here, then shame on you because I'm struggling with the budget. I mean, if you got millions, you need to be talking to God because uh, you're making me go through stuff for nothing. But anyway, um, <laughs> But I told them, I said, we got good people who are all trying and they're pledging their, their hard-earned money to God to, to build this. But I said, we still come up short, so we got to do it this way. And I said, I would have never guessed that, but I'm so thankful that I'm able. And I said, I didn't go to school to learn this. What I did is I look at things and say, if God gave someone else the ability to understand this and do it, then with God's help, I can do it too. And so I just said, I just got to figure it out. And I started figuring it out. Now I know how to read plans and do all that, right? And the light bulb turned on. I said, one day you might be a missionary because Colton's called to be a missionary. And God blesses them. Say you start seeing thousands of people saved, but then you've got bad weather there and you need a building for them. But you can't afford, maybe the people in the states are being too stingy and aren't giving to missions and you can't get enough money to build it. And God says, I need you to save the money and build it yourself. And so, so in this conversation, the Holy Spirit steps in and in a teachable moment, my kids helps me to just be able, on the spur of a moment, that's not me. I'm not that great of a dad. I can't just spur of the moment. Do that. Jen's smiling over there looking at me like I'm really a winner. You know, and I'm like, that just happened. You know, God does those things. 
every group in the world has tried to figure out who God is and how to please him. has never been able to get this right. You know, how can I? I'm too small. Uh, uh, how do I receive him in himself? This God is so great. How can I do the things that he expects? Uh, what I see in scripture, Paul, how can I be like a Paul? How can I be like a Daniel? How can I be like a David? How can I have these big wins? It's being available, totally committed to him, right? And just taking a step. It's letting him interact with you. Not getting so tied up in the temporary and the things going on around you that you forget that there's a mighty, powerful God who wants to talk to you every day and who wants to lead and guide you and wants to use you to change the lives of others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 8, it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. There's so many tie-ins to this. And, and listen, if you're like me and I tell too many stories, I could just go on. But it's like just a few weeks back when we were at Christmas time and I, and I gave the example that, you know, we're not going to try to tell people how to do their Christmas, you know, to a certain extent. Uh, we're not going to tell people how to do their their um, their halloween or anything but as for me and my house we don't do things the way the world does because i see that my kids are already being set apart and i want to make sure that nothing hinders them so i'd rather have a a spirit of of submission than permission yeah i could celebrate things like the world does or i could do it removing any hindrances so that all my focus is on is experiencing god whether it be in the holidays or every day but all i want to do is know that i am interacting with the all-powerful god who created me and gave me such a precious family. You're not a thimble trying to contain a pumpkin. The Spirit of God is big enough to change your life and small enough to make a dwelling place in your very soul. There's another emphasis that can be taken in this question, can I receive the Holy Spirit? There's another way it can be asked. The question might be, and we covered this recently, in a different way in a sermon is, can I receive Him? In other words, I see that you can. What about me? Maybe you've asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking tongues and it hasn't happened. And we talked about there can be, when we talked about recently about there can be hindrances to our prayer. Yes, if you're being disobedient in very obvious ways according to the scripture, then that could be the very roadblock of why you're not receiving the gifts from God that he has for you. If you can't be faithful in, in, in the things that are written clearly, then why would he expound and expose you to, the, to greater mysteries and greater things in your life if you can't be obedient to small things. You know, if you've got a relationship that God is not pleased with and you're not, you're not taking it to Him and letting Him guide you and you're not surrendering that to Him or, or a job or whatever it is, if you are in defiance to God's Word in some way in your life, in an obvious way, and you wonder, why am I not experiencing God in the way that Pastor CJ talks about? Why is He not interacting with me like me? I don't hear anything. Why, why don't I know that he's trying to get me to talk to this person or lead somebody to me? He can't trust you with him until you're willing to be obedient. He didn't, he didn't want you to be damaged, but he didn't want you to take your damage and pass it off to them either. He didn't want them to get the idea that it's okay with him what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? There's exceptions to it. It's like when you see a big-name preacher have a moral failure, all the media and everybody wants to make a spectacle of it. And, and, and yeah, we have greater expectation on, on pastors and especially if you put yourself in the limelight but the thing is is then people will negate i've said this before they'll say well all that's fake then all that i saw no there's probably people being baptized in the holy spirit there's people being saved there's people making commitments to god in that ministry because that was between them and god they made the commitment to experience him independent of what the leader was doing so just because he was faking or doing whatever he was doing doesn't mean that everybody a part of that ministry didn't experience god You'd have to individually, each one, know the story. So the one thing might be, are the, the questions are, are there things in my life that might prevent me as an individual from receiving the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. Things do come that prevent us from receiving the, the Spirit, and there are things that can be in our lives that can prevent us from receiving salvation and heaven. But God is not expecting you to be perfect or perfected now. So it's not that because you still struggle to do the right thing sometimes that he's not going to release that. But if you're in direct defiance to his word, then yes. 
God's come for all of us. I'm not preaching we must be perfect, but God wants us to be fully committed. It's like my mom said many times. She said, marriage and commitment of marriage is not about falling in love or falling out of love. She, she said, you know, couples, when they do that, that's why they divorce sometimes so easily over things because it's about whether, what I feel today, what I feel this week or this month or this year. And she admitted to me at times there's been pretty tough times for her and dad in the past. We had no clue. She said, but I had to decide, was I committed to him independent of how I felt at the moment? It's the commitment that carries you on for 50 years and 60 years and 70 years of marriage. There's times, like uh, just this week, Jen had a time where I'm sure she didn't feel like she loved me. Probably wish I lived somewhere else, right? And I, and I have to end up apologizing to her and, and, and making things right. And chocolates helped too, by the way. <laughs> Two pounds worth helped, even though she's on a diet. But in that case, it was an emergency. Might as well have been a glass door over the chocolates with a little thing to break the glass. Are we willing for the Holy Spirit to receive us, all of us, without hidden parts, without withheld parts? People who have wholeness or integrity in their relationship with God, that's who we're talking about. I don't believe you have to be a super Christian to receive the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking tongues. I don't believe you have to be a wild-haired loony either to receive the Spirit. But I believe you have to be willing to be perceived as a wild-haired Pentecostal. You have to be willing to be perceived as whatever they're going to perceive you. Like in the book of Acts, they thought they were drunk. You have to be willing to give up your, your, your worries about what people will think to, you, to press in like that with God. I'm going to tell you, real uncomfortable when you start realizing how I look like trying to pick up some guy in a wheelchair in a van that didn't know me because I thought God was telling me to. For all I knew, he's going to get home, call the police, and they're going to track me down. You know, probably got my license plate number, right? Well, sir, are you uh, praying on, you know, handicapped people in the neighborhood? <laughs> no, I'm a pastor, God told me. You know, how would that fly? With some... <laughs> but you have to be willing to. And, and here's why I want to turn a little more serious to this. I believe there's a lot we see in how God designed our relationships, especially in the marriage, to really get the picture of this. And like I said, the commitment. I mentioned earlier sometimes people will tell me their story and they're trying to figure out God, and, they're, and, and I'm patient, and I understand, and, and even though i got my biases, biases i know that i've also pick and choose churches over silly things and left a church over something silly and but it still comes back to are you experiencing god and to take the church language out do you get up in the morning and do you have a moment in the day where you know he has made contact with you in some way some form that is an undeniable and if you say no I'm saying, why wouldn't you want that? Not because I'm bringing it up to you, but think about it. What, what are you in church for? Well, I hope it's not just because you feel better about yourself and your family alone. I hope it's because you want to draw closer to God, and I can't do that for you. I can preach God's word and point you in the direction, but you've got to get the hunger to want more than just what you see in this world and church Whatever your reference point is, don't, don't worry about what you've seen in church. Worry about the God who, who wants to interact with you and find out what he has for you. And I've been laid out on the floor under the power of God and known I didn't get there on my own, but knew I had the power to get up. He's never taken away my free will. I've spoken in, in, in heavenly language and tongues. I knew I could stop it. I was never out of control. But I didn't want to because when it's from God, you can feel that, you feel that release, you know. But it wasn't just for those things. It wasn't for a service. Some people want it say, oh, I can't wait till we get revival. Those same people, I will tell you, in a revival will come and will spectate and will praise and do their dance and all that, and they'll still go out in the community and have a terrible attitude with people or a uh, holier-than-thou or, a, or a, 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 a Sadducee or Pharisee attitude where they're turning people off to Christ because they're never in it for experience with God. They're in it because they wanted their church or they wanted to be a part of something. You know, It's more about what it does for them not about fully releasing themselves to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit fully release into them and it be a relationship. I don't want a spect I don't want a spectacle, but if people are running these aisles laid out before the Lord, and some of you may not come back after this, I've had that happen. I, I've preached on this subject and people not come back. And it's sad to me that, that they'll say, because you are opening the door and saying that that could happen here, I, I want to get long, far away from it. And all I'm telling you is I'm not trying to produce anything. We're not going to have classes next week in a room saying this is how you dance in the spirit. I've seen that happen. 
I've grown up around the super charismatic churches, and I had a great disdain for it. I've been that kid in the altar when the guy's trying to push you over, and I've had the football stance getting just madder than a hornet. You better take your hand off me, dude, because I want what God has, but I know what you're doing. I've been down that. I've had the hurts. I've had the disappointments. I've had the confusion. I've had all that. I'm just saying there's a God who's interacting with me, and all I can do is tell you it is worth sharing. And if you can grab a hold of that, if you aren't now, and have him interact with you in the ways he's been doing with me, it will change everything for you. Will you still have a disagreement with your spouse and disappoint her and hurt her and have to apologize? Yes, because sin has not left me. I'm in a process. I would hope Jen would say it's far better than it was when we first married. (laughs) But, yeah, Bill, I didn't ask for comments there. I can I can have comment sections in first service when you come to second. No. <laughs> He's on the advisor team. It's okay. He's advising me right now. So <clears throat> or Jim. <laughs> but guys, I don't want to I'm not just trying to get hyped up here. I, I desire something. I'll tell you, I've been had some crushing moments lately where I just dark place. And I wasn't going to admit this. I told Ken, I said I don't want people to feel like I'm waving a white flag and how are you building the building if you're, you know, if you don't have the guts and you don't have the fortitude to get it done. Uh, but listen, I've had those moments where like, I just need to quit this. I can't do this. If it wasn't for the Spirit of God coming in those moments and using times like this week and those things to say, I'm still here. God's saying, I'm still here. CJ, hold on. I didn't make a mistake. I called you there. Stay the course. And that's where he gets that whole military thing in my mind. I say, come on. You know, chew up some steel, bite some bullets, and spit them at the devil. You know, just do something. You know, get up and do something. Part of us doing all those figures, that was my fight with the devil yesterday. I just spin in my head. I got too much to get done. The weather won't change. How are we going to do this in freezing temperatures? This and this and this and this is going on. And God turns what the devil meant to crush me and to squash the message for today and say, you know what, let's turn this into a really great thing for your family. Let's teach your boys before I call them in the ministry how to get this done too. Let's perpetuate this, and let's let's uh, instill in your wife that there's hope that her husband still can be a good dad. You know, let's do it all at one time. That's as much the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as when He's got you laid out speaking another language, because that's the fruit of it. That's what comes. That's what comes. You want your family to be whole healed you want your kids to speak about the things of god and to be witnessing you want that to happen in your home there is only one way and that is for you to get on your knees or get before the lord not just in services but at home and want it so bad you won't quit until you got it of all the things you've quit in your life or you've let them go by and you just kind of said okay i can give up on that let there be one let your legacy be that at one point in your life you said this i will not let go of until i have fully realized everything that god wants for me I will not quit. If it takes me the rest of my life, I will find out everything God wants for me. If he wants to put me running around the neighborhood with my hands raised up, making my neighbors call the police on me, if he wants that and it's God and not my pastor or my church, bring it. you got to get a little bit crazy in the natural world to really connect with the reality of what God has in the spiritual world. You've got to be willing to, in the eyes of man, because in the Acts account they said, these people are surely drunk in the morning. That's a God we serve. It's not about denomination. It's about what denomination would Jesus be? He'd be the one that wants to sit with you, walk with you, and show you how to do all the things that he did and better. You can't outdo Jesus, but he said, greater things will you do. What that tells me is he only let a little bit of his potential out just so he didn't set the bar so high that it just squashed any hope of us ever having. What he's just saying is the things I did when I was here You'll do greater things. I, I, I gave enough instruction. I did enough to show you the way. The one thing you can never top is what he did on the cross, but he's going to leave some things for you to do. Greater things. And i got to ask. I'm telling you, folks, I'm here. This, this, this is the last thing I'll let you in on. All my life I've had plan B. You've heard me talk about that. Things got too tough in the situation. I just did something else. Was it, you know, God brought me out of the Navy, and I, I would do this, and I'd do that, and my family knew I was always on to something new. And God, when I started this, he knew that I had that tendency, and I struggled in my first years at New Song because every time something got hard, I was like, I could just go back to Walmart. I could just do this. And, and some of you know the story, and finally there's no plan B. But that in itself has a trial because when you know there is no other plan and whatever's going on, you've got to weather it. No matter how hard it is, I can't just quit. 
when those thoughts pop in my mind, the enemy's trying so hard to say, yeah, you can quit. Pastors do it. It don't matter. It don't matter about all the money that's already spent. It don't matter billing. You can quit. When he does that, I just say, you know, I see your faces. God put your face in my heart. I said, I would never do that to Bill. I'd never do that to Pat. I'd never do that to Andrew. I'd never do it to my Lord, but he puts your face in my mind. I'd never do that to anyone. I'd never do that to Bradley. I'd never do that to Mylon. None of you. First, a person walked through the door first time today. I'd never do that to them because God has been so gracious to me. Give me the opportunity to do this. I can never do that. And in that, sometimes as a trial, it's like, God, I want a way out. No, that is the power of the Holy Spirit. What the power of the Holy Spirit does in your life is when he gives you that fortitude to say, I will not quit. I will not. It's what took the disciples and said, instead of hiding out and denying Jesus three times, you're going to be willing to be boiled in oil or hung or beheaded for the cause of Christ. It's what Christians in other countries who are facing beheadings will go quick, go quietly praising God to their death, knowing that, that the reward waits for them. So what I'm going to ask is this. this, is, this is, there's all these ways to end the church service right that we get used to in church and we have the altar call and this and that. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm declaring we are on a journey. We, if you're with me, we're not going to stop until we experience God in a real way. I, I'm not going to just try to get a sermon together to have a sermon. We are going to experience God one way or another. It may not be in the service. I'm praying that all of a sudden I get a call. Pastor, what I do, I all of a sudden bust out and speak it in tongues. God filled me at work. And now they're calling the crazy house on me. I guess it's against policy somewhere. <laughs> Somebody's done it before, so they made a policy. That's how all policies are, right? I wish they just put the person's picture and name by it, right? <laughs> this is the reason this one exists, right? And here's a little, here's a little story. But I'm praying God will just do some really crazy in the natural crazy things, not for show, not for bragging rights, not for me to go to the next pastor's meeting and say, oh, yeah, guess what's happening in New Song? Not in that way. Ha-ha, look at our church and yours. You know, you have a better website, we have more God. <laughs> you, know, you have better videos, but we got Jesus. What do you got? We got the Holy Spirit. Not for that. Because I want it myself. I want it myself. Because otherwise I'll die and shrivel up doing this. I'll die inside. My body may live to be 90, 100, whatever, but inside, my spirit's been there before. It will dry up and die. Karen, if you want to come. And I don't know everybody's full backstory. I don't know how much you've experienced God before. Some of this may be foreign to you, and you don't know what does that look like. I, I, we're going to get into this. We're, this is a journey. So today the altar is going to be open, and you can come. I will pray with you if you feel that you want to, to, to ask God to fill you with the, the Holy Spirit, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking tongues. We'll pray and I will tarry with you, and we will pray about that. If you need time to pray and let this soak in, search the word, whatever it is, we're on a journey. I'm just saying, let's don't give up until we see the fruit of our labor, right? Not to prove something in church service, because there's how many empty seats of people whose lives right now, there's enough people in these communities that have broken homes, who have uh, domestic violence going on, who uh, drug addiction, who, who maybe just everything seems great they're just drying up inside they have nothing to live for we've got a lot of people that we could reach we need the power of the Holy Spirit so we aren't hanging out hiding like they did after Jesus was crucified but we're willing to go out no matter what the consequence is that's what we need whatever background you came from whatever you're told about the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking tongues just read the book of Acts I challenge you read the book of Acts you'll Google uh, Baptism of the Holy Spirit, Evidence Speaking Tongues, you'll get some pros and cons and all kinds of stuff. But look against the Word of God and compare. I'm going to tell you the Word of God is clear and evident that He never meant for that to cease. That was never anything He meant to stop. Otherwise, He said the comfort's going to come for a little while. He's going to go away. He's going to quit doing that. But go up there and wait for Him now. Get what He's got, and then other people will get it. There's nothing in there about that. We do see where Paul went to a place where they had believed for quite some time, some decades. And he said, hey, when were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't know anything about that. We're baptized in the baptism of John the Baptist. We got saved and we were baptized in water. Praise God. We've been just hanging in doing it. Paul's like, oh, no, no. There's something else. And he laid hands on and prayed and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit then. So we know from Scripture there's, there's more to it. There's more to it. You're not less. I, I believe you can go to heaven if you haven't received it. I don't believe it'll keep you out of heaven. I just believe 
that it's not about you have less, I have more. It's about there is more for you personally that God has for you to experience. So that's the journey we're on. We're going to see God answer in some people's lives where they have sought and maybe it's never happened. I believe we're going to see people filled, baptized with the, with the Holy Spirit. And then the greatest thing after that is we're going to see all the people that their lives are going to be changed because of it. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I just come to you right now as these altars, Lord, are always open. It doesn't matter during the preaching, during the worship. God, we never say there's a time people can't come kneel before you. But God, more than ever right now, I just say that, God, if there's someone here that feels like this is a time they need to press in, they need they need what has been um, brought through your word today, they need the Holy Spirit to, to baptize them, to give them the power to go out and make disciples. That, that God, they've wondered why their life is not progressing. Some will say, I need to go and make some things right in my life. I need to get this relationship I have right. I need to go before the Lord and be honest with Him and say, I know why things aren't progressing for me. is because I'm hearing the truth of your word and I'm still resistant to following through. So some will need to make that full marriage commitment to the bridegroom, to Jesus, and say, I will be obedient to your word. I will live a life of submission, not permission. Not what can I get away with and still call myself a Christian, but what can I give up? What can I do? How much further can I go to reach you, God? To, to, I know you're there. I know that you're not running from me, that I don't have to go a distance to get to you. But God, there's things in my life that are pushing distance between us, and I'm ready to get those things out of the way. Lord, maybe I, you know, there's people here that they have a long history of following you, and, and maybe they haven't fasted in a while and really, really focus in on what they need to do to to get closer to you and maybe they've been baptized and they've stopped praying in that prayer language or they've not been open about it they're waiting for someone else in the service to do it to give them permission god i just pray that the freedom of the holy spirit would be uh, would be so evident in this place that those who have been baptized and filled that god they begin to operate in that gifting that god they wouldn't hold back that lord we would begin to see that you give us uh, words through that lord for the congregation god and the interpretation of that and Lord, also that they find the sweetness of, once again, communing with you through the heavenly prayer language. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is going to be the official closing of the service as far as, uh, you know, if you, if you want to leave, if you feel that you need to pray where you're at or come down here, whatever the Spirit is leading you do, I want you to follow through with that. I'll be here if you need prayer. God bless you. Wednesday night, we're just going to continue this journey. We're going to go after it, especially on Sundays, especially on Sundays. Uh, we're going to fully focus on, on the work of the Holy Spirit. Love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful Sunday.